Vets Beyond Borders is a group of volunteers who have got together to improve animal welfare outcomes in developing countries. This is Australian veterinarian Dr David Gray. David is a board member and treasurer of the welfare organisation Vets Beyond Borders. In this episode of the Vet Podcast, we discuss the organisation with David, as well as the effect that COVID is having on the implementation of a number of their programmes. Are you a veterinarian dreaming about working down under in New Zealand? If so, I'd love to help you make that dream come true. Hi, I'm Julie South of VetStaff. VetStaff is New Zealand's only recruitment agency specialising in the Kiwi veterinary sector. We can help you find your dream job down under, from short-term locum assignments through to permanent employment and residency. Because we know God's own Aotearoa New Zealand like the back of our hands, we can match your career aspirations with a clinic that'll suit you best. Whether you're planning to work here for a few months or forever, if it's got anything to do with working in a vet clinic in New Zealand, we can help. Vetstaff.co.nz You are listening to The Vet Podcast, presented by veterinarian Dr Brian Greger from New Zealand. Join us as we discuss pet health issues from around the world. Thanks for being with us today, David. Can we just start with a brief history of Vets Beyond Borders? The organisations began as vet charity back in 2003, long before I became involved, in order to uh, create a project in uh, a tiny state in India called Sikkim. This project was set up along with a very small local animal welfare group in Gangtok, the capital of Sikkim. And that project developed over the years. The Sikkim government came on board and now the SARA project is part of the Sikkim government in partnership with VBB and Foundation Bridget Bardot has provided funding as well. From there, the project has expanded to other parts of India and other parts of the world so that uh, nowadays we are... Uh, sending volunteers when things are normal to uh, many uh, underdeveloped countries, plus some others that are developed countries where there's uh, a particular need and uh, they've called for help. What is the scope of the work that you're doing? What kind of programs have you got in place? The initial project was rabies control projects and remains so. Rabies is a big issue in India and many other countries in which we work, such as Southeast Asia and Africa. And in order to control rabies, it sort of relates to the One Health object where diseases in animals affect humans. Rabies is a zoonosis so that it affects animals and humans. The most effective control of rabies in humans is to control it in the dogs. That is what we, we did. It works by catching the animals, catching the dogs, desexing as many as we can and vaccinating for rabies. And then you release them back where they came from so that you don't disturb the local uh, hierarchy of, of dogs in that community and slowly you do reduce the number of dogs in those communities 
and they become more amenable. They're not fighting one another over bitches. They're interacting in a better manner with the human population. You're getting less dog bites. Hence, the rabies incidence uh, is vastly reduced over time. Of course, when we go to these projects, there are a lot of other animal welfare aspects. Dogs get hit by vehicles. We tend to first aid and general health of the animals. Internal parasites, external parasites are a big factor in all of the areas we work so that it is much wider than just the animal birth control anti-rabies project, which is the purpose of setting up the project in the first place. So, David, you have a few projects on the go. You sort of have a spake at will travel kind of organisation. We have several projects uh, or groups of projects. VetMatch is the uh, ongoing program involving international groups and that currently, before COVID, we uh, have assisting projects in India, Cambodia, Thailand, Botswana, Sardinia and a few other places around the world. The current model we work with, with VetMatch, with which we were, VetMatch is the project which we're mostly known for. The uh, model has shifted from running our own projects to working with existing projects on the ground. We initially had three projects in India, which we sort of managed and ran. Uh, we found the logistics of that was becoming increasingly more difficult. And for a sustainability aspect, it is better if they're run by locals. And as has happened in Sikkim, the other project, uh, which was one of the initial projects, was in Ladakh, which is uh, high up in the Himalayas. And uh, that project operated with a small animal welfare group in Ladakh for uh, probably about six or seven years. And then for a number of reasons, that project fell over. But because we had been working in the area, a group of local vets working with the government decided to continue the project and invited us back again. So that that project now is similar to Sakim, where it's run entirely by the government and we just send volunteers. That's our current operational mode. The other project, which was one of the early projects, is in a place called Balakupe, which is in uh, Karnataka, in uh, sort of the middle to south, southern part of India. Quite a different climate to uh, the Himalayas. And uh, it was run on a, a seasonal basis where it was run over the Indian winter, whereas the other two projects in Ladakh and Sikkim mainly ran over summer because it gets too cold in the winter. Uh, in Bailakupa, it was too hot in the summer to be chasing dogs. So that uh, operated for uh, probably about six or eight years. And that uh, project has been continued on with one of the other international groups. But uh, that that's the main project we're known for is VetMatch, which matches with, with projects in developing countries. There's an old adage that goes, what is it, you, you give a man a fish, you feed him for the day, you teach him to fish, you feed him for his life. Is Vets Beyond Borders doing that rather than the 
ambulance at the bottom of the hill kind of thing. Are you actually training the people that you're working with? Yes, very much so. When we first went to Sikkim, uh, the uh, level of surgical skill amongst the Indian vets was not of a very good standard. And through interaction with uh, Western vets and actual training programs, which we we termed vet train, we uh, have been able to upskill uh, uh, the local Indian vets and the vet train program also entails training of what we call paravets, which is the equivalent to our vet nurses and dog handlers. Uh, a lot of the dog catching was not done in a very humane way, so that we were able uh, to run training programs to teach the pe- people responsible for capturing the dogs to do it in a humane manner. And also in project management, part of vet train uh, is teaching them how to run a program. So we were fortunate that back around 2010, we were able to persuade the Australian government through DFAT to fund a, uh, a vet train program in India. That was done over the next three to four years in various uh, locations. The initial program was in Delhi. We ran uh, programs in Sikkim, in Gangtok, where our main project was, and also in Jaipur uh, in collaboration with HSI, the Humane Society International, which is an American animal warfare group. We were able to train around, around 360 vets and paravets and uh, dog catchers. We ran uh, the program. It was a two-week course. And uh, at the end of that course, the participants were proficient in uh, appropriate animal handling, surgery, uh, and got improved the, the techniques that those students. And then, of course, they go back to their work areas and teach others so that it's an ongoing thing. David, is the work just confined to cats and dogs or are you working with other species as well? It varies from project to project. In most of the areas we work, it is predominantly dogs. In some of the countries, it is cats as well. The number of cats in in Indian projects is relatively low compared to Western countries, so that there's quite a difference between countries. Some of the, the projects in Southeast Asia, there's more cats than there are dogs. We do encourage people who have skills in large animals to participate as well. My background is in uh, a mixed practice, and for most of my working life, I worked with cattle and horses, so that uh, when I went to Sikkim the first time, they lined up a lot of cows and donkeys and mules, you name it. every, Every country is different and every project is different. There's a lot of goats in some of the areas, there's a lot of pigs in some of the areas we work, so that the veterinarians who are looking for those skills are are needed as well. And uh, with our Australian project, which we have been uh, running for the past five to six years, called AVERT, which is the Australian Veterinary Emergency Response Team. And uh, that is uh, now termed VetMatch Australia. 
We have done extensive work with wildlife and training vets in wildlife handling along with Taronga Zoo and assisting existing groups such as RSPCA and Animal Welfare League in attending to animal welfare needs of dogs, cats and uh, you name it. So I would imagine that AVERT would have been very, very busy over the last few years with these horrendous bushfires that you've been having over there. Yes, we we uh, developed the AVERT program uh, back uh, around 2015. We saw there was a need uh, that there was no register for uh, vets that have, uh, as far as their skills uh, and their, abil- their availability uh, for emergency work with bushfires, floods, etc. So that we started out uh, collating uh, volunteers who were prepared to put their hand up with vet nurses and uh, vets. And of course, with the uh, fires of 2019 2020, that uh, really expanded significantly. And as a result of that, we instituted the, uh, we found there was quite a, a deficiency Australia wide in uh, vets' uh, experience with uh, our native wildlife. So, hence the, uh, the vet train involving uh, our marsupials uh, developed from there. And currently, uh, they've just completed the first of the training courses at Taronga, uh, and uh, that is going to be an ongoing uh, uh, program to uh, increase the skills for people to handle those wildlife. The VET podcast has no sponsorship, but as is the way of the world, it still costs money to produce, what with the hosting site, interviewing platforms and software subscriptions, not to mention the recording equipment required. So if you enjoy the podcasts, why not show it in a small way and buy me a coffee? If you are so inclined, go to buymeacoffee.com slash vetpodcasts or to our social media buyer site. Now back to the podcast. Can we just go back a step for a minute, David? You, you mentioned earlier the concept of One Health. Now, we, we could easily fill a whole episode on One Health, but can you just briefly explain what this concept of One Health is? One Health is a concept that's become more widespread. The concept has been there for ever since uh, a man evolved on Earth, but it's sort of only in the last probably 20, 25 years that there has been much action as far as coordinating activities. This is one world. There is animal health, human health, the health of the environment. It's all interrelated. And uh, fortunately now, the various scientific areas are now collaborating and talking to one another about the issues that impact on uh, particularly humans and animals together. As you're aware, many of the emerging diseases, which are zoonoses and diseases that are human only, have evolved through animals. And uh, it is uh, uh, a case of 
we have to look after the whole bundle and you can't consider the humans separately to the animals and the environment separate to all of them. It's it's one world. Are there similar organisations around the world to VBB? And if there are, well, that's probably a loaded question because I know that I know there are. Do you actually partner with them? There are various organisations uh, worldwide in various different language groups. One of the largest ones is Veterinarian Sans Frontiers. And uh, they operate mainly in Europe, Africa. There is the Vets Without Borders, which is a Canadian-based group. Uh, we do have some interaction with these groups, but we haven't actually uh, done anything in a collaborative fashion. There are several organisations which are quite large, which are uh, professional uh, employ where they employ their vets and uh, paravets, etc. Uh, one of those is HSI, Humane Society International, which is an American-based organisation, and it was them we worked with with vet train in Jaipur, where we did most of the uh, the training. Uh, there's World Veterinary Services, which uh, operates out of Europe, and uh, they uh, uh, engage in projects uh, pretty well worldwide. So we've probably got a huge elephant in the room at the moment too, I would imagine, and that is COVID. It's affecting the whole world. I would imagine that it's having a huge effect on the kind of work that you guys can do. Yes, it's had a... a, a very uh, significant impact on our operations. Our uh, vet match international programs have, uh, uh, it has meant that we haven't been able to send anyone on to international projects. Uh, I think the last person came home in March 2020 and there hasn't been any, uh, any volunteers uh, since. We've tried with the Sardinia project to get some European vets there, but because of uh, an outbreak, uh, it uh, didn't happen. That was in October. We have focused uh, on uh, our Australian vet match activity in that time. Well, two things really: the uh, the vet match activity with with groups such as RSPCA and uh, Animal Welfare League where we're tending to uh, animal welfare and veterinary work in disadvantaged communities within Australia and the focus on uh, uh, the vet train, emergency animal care, burns, etc. with Taronga Zoo. So it's changed our focus. We're hoping that uh, as soon as uh, international borders are... Uh, uh, more freely open, we will be able to get people back on the ground. Those projects that we uh, we do partner with are continuing. In Sikkim at Sarah, that uh, work is continuing. They're still continuing to do dissections and rabies vaccinations uh, and the general animal welfare work with their own people. And uh, the same in Ladakh, the government people there are continuing the uh, birth control and rabies vaccination work there. And uh, that continues. Um, they're doing it under great difficulty because of lockdowns, etc. But 
uh, we haven't a choice at the moment. Now, you mentioned a little bit about your funding earlier. You, you get some funding from DFAT, is it? Where, where does your funding come from? The DFAT funding was a one-off for that specific program uh, of training those, those vets and paravets in India. Now, I'll just stop you there for two secs, David, because a lot, a lot of our listeners aren't from our part of the world, so don't know what DFAT is. It's a government department, isn't it? It's a government agency. Yes. The Department of Foreign Affairs in Australia, DFAT actually represents Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, and it's a, a group within that that, that covers grants uh, for this sort of purpose. Their focus has now gone away from India so that it's more Pacific and Southeast Asia based. So there won't be any more funding for that. But that work is continuing uh, in India under a different format. We have uh, done several vet train projects with large animals in India, like focusing on large animals rather than small animals, where veterinary experts from Australia have uh, gone to Bangalore and uh, trained vets that are appropriate there. So it's a much smaller scale. As far as other funding, uh, the uh, SARA project has been supported, as I mentioned before, by Foundation Bridget Bardot, which is a Paris-based organisation, and they have supplied uh, funds for the purchase of drugs and surgical equipment, etc., the uh, other funding is by private donation. Uh, we've had good corporate support from some of the uh, Australian companies, Petshore, the Pet Foundation. It's a, it's an ongoing battle to get funds, particularly in this current period. So, uh, but uh, it's always uh, as treasurer. I can assure you, it's not an easy task at the moment. No, exactly. Now, just to finish off here, David, if people, and it's particularly veterinarians in Australia, I guess, but I, I suppose here in New Zealand or elsewhere, how do they become involved in Vets Beyond Borders? Well, basically, it's becoming a member. And if they go to the website, if you just Google Vets Beyond Borders Australia, you will find us. And you can uh, look through the programs that we have and if you feel so motivated, you can join us and offer your help to uh, whatever area you feel your skills are. David, thanks very much for spending the time with us and good luck with your programs. Thank you very much, Brian. So, as usual, there'll be a link to Vets Beyond Borders in our bio, which you will remember is bio.fm slash vetpodcast. That's also got links to all of our social media and anything else you may need. Talk again soon. And that's it for another episode of the Vet Podcast. All of our links are in one place at beacons.ai slash vetpodcast. That is B-E-A-C-O-N-S dot A-I slash vetpodcast. And while you're there, don't forget to buy us a coffee. On behalf of me, Brian Greger, and everybody else involved in the making of this podcast, thanks for listening and we'll catch you again soon.